You're out! Good morning, and welcome to episode 125 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus Daily Podcast. Uh, in New York, New York, I am Ben Lindberg, and in Long Beach, California, you are Sam Miller. How's the weather in Long Beach? Uh, it's fine. Nobody, nobody. I've learned nobody likes hearing Californians talk about weather in the winter. <laughs> it's just not. It's like trying to talk about politics on the internet. It just it does not go the way you think it's going to go. Yes, so. that's why I asked. I wanted you to to regale our listeners with with stories of your 70 degree weather or whatever it is there. Probably not did you, that warm, but maybe it is. So did you, um, with our site down almost all day today, did you read anything anywhere else? Uh, yeah, probably more than I would have otherwise. That's my point. I'm oh, saying. I see. Um, yes, yes, I did. What did you read? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lots of lots of stuff. Derek Jeter is is worried about climate change. I read. Yeah, well, geez, if he were in California right now, he sure would be. <laughs> it's so warm here. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I read things. Nothing. Uh, nothing I want to talk about particularly. Have you read uh, the Terry Francona book excerpt yet? Uh, was there a whole chapter or something? I didn't read a whole chapter. I've read, I think Chad Finn did something at the Globe where he, he reproduced some of the interesting parts. I read that. Um, yeah, Sports Illustrated, um, about, uh, well, I, I don't know if it's a current episode, but it was a, a current issue, but about a week ago, they, uh, excerpted a chapter about his, basically his final year and about the dysfunctional, well, the, the point of the chapter was that ownership in, is fairly dysfunctional and that they were kind of weird and off the tracks or in the last year or two. And so it just sort of goes through the drama between Francona uh, and John Henry, et cetera. Um, but then everybody involved kind of walked it back. Even Francona yes, walked it back. Yes, I read this, that he said that that wasn't really the point of the book. Yeah, which, I mean, he, like, that's a very delicate line to say that you're misquoted in your book. <laughs> which he wrote. Did he say misquoted uh, or did he say no, that that no, wasn't no, no. representative of, of the book right. as a whole? Right. He didn't. It's, that's what I'm saying. He didn't say misquoted uh -huh. but because it, 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 it's such a fine line to basically get that, to try to use that as an excuse. So he basically said that the excerpt is like taken out of context or that the excerpt is, yeah, like that there's a whole lot more and you should read the whole book because uh -huh. it's not all interesting things that you would actually want to read about. There's also boring stuff. <laughs> right. It was very interesting, though. The the um, I don't know. It's 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 weird because you know he wrote it with Dan uh, Shaughnessy, but like it's written in the third person, and he's a character in it, which is kind of weird because it creates this distance where you're like, wow, how did Shaughnessy get all this dirt and on on the on the Red Sox? And then you're like, oh well, Frank. I mean, obviously Francona wrote it. He mm -hmm. just isn't saying I all the time. There's no personal pronoun I. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. And Theo Epstein says that he was, one of his quotes was taken out of context. And there's a part where, uh, like the marketing department or something says that Dustin Pedroia is the kind of sexy player that they need more of. <laughs> yeah. I read a reference to that somewhere. Yeah. He's a regular pinup. Uh, yeah. Do you read a lot of baseball books? Uh, I um, buy a lot of baseball books. I, I don't get to as many of them mm -hmm. as I'd like to. 
I did get dollar sign on the muscle for uh, for Christmas. Yeah, and I'm that's a good one. Looking forward to yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Mm-hmm. That thing costs a fortune. Yeah, I got uh, we got ours. It wasn't too bad. It was like fifty or so. Yeah, I got mine a long time ago, which was I guess before the the dollar sign on the muscle bubble happened. It's uh, it's an, it's a pretty expensive used book now. It's hard to find. Um, you know what? Yeah. I'm really- I just uh, got a book that's about maybe seven or eight years ago by Josh Lewin on the winter meetings, and I've never heard it mentioned. I, I had never, I didn't realize that it existed, um, but I'm actually really looking forward to that because I always thought that, that would be a fun book to write, and I really like Josh Lewin a lot, though I've never read him. I've only heard him. Is it about finding a, a job there, or just... part, part of it is? It's just the whole the whole culture of the winter meetings, and so partly it's uh, you know about the 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 nobodies who show up with resumes and partly it's about the you know Scott Boris so mm-hmm. okay well that concludes Ben and Sam's book corner yeah so um, you wrote a piece that came out on Wednesday about um, umpires and managers confrontations and about what they're actually saying mm-hmm. uh, and you actually went so far as to get somebody uh, who can who can lip read and to actually transcribe those conversations and. Uh, I went I think we so should... far because I couldn't have gone anywhere without doing that, really, because I'm a terrible lip reader and, and usually cannot tell anything that anyone is saying on TV. Well, the inspiration, I'm, I'm guessing the inspiration for the piece was fairly modest, right? It, I assume that this came out of the, uh, you know, the minor news story about maybe two weeks ago about how sometimes managers go out there and look all fired up, but really they're just going, how are the kids? How's little Judy's play coming along? And they're just trying to look agitated so that they'll get ejected and fire up their team. Mm-hmm. Is that that that's the... Uh, I think so. I forget when that article came out. We've been working on this kind of off and on for a few weeks now. But yeah, I think that was the thing that made me think of it. So since nobody could uh, actually read the story today. <laughs> yeah, hopefully by the time you are listening to this, the site will be fully functioning. Uh, and actually, probably it would have to be or you wouldn't be able to listen to this. So if you are listening to this, then you can probably go read this article. Uh, so, yeah, I loved the article. I thought it was one of the one of the very coolest things that we've ever had on the site. And I think the significance of it is you know, maybe will reveal itself in time, but you rarely get to see, I I mean, I think that this is a thing that's been in plain sight all of our lives and we've never actually known what is being said. Um, And so do you kind of want to just describe what kind of stuff, like what your conclusions were or what you, what you learned? Yeah. uh, I mean, it was uh, much of the transcriptions were cursing, uh, swearing, however you want to express that. Uh, And I should, of course, say that I had a a huge hand from Evan Brunel, who runs Firebrand of the American League, a a Boston Red Sox blog, and has been a longtime baseball blogger. Uh, And he is deaf and lip reads, and so he was very willing and able to help me out with this. Um, I mean, I, I guess you can kind of tell often that that managers are are cursing at umpires when when they are arguing and that certainly is something that they do based on on what we found uh i guess the takeaway really was that there's kind of a a line that you can walk right up to 
And I think most managers are probably very adept at, at going right up to that line, but not quite crossing it unless they want to cross it to, uh, you know, some managers want to get thrown out. It's not as if it comes as a complete surprise that they are about to be thrown out of the game. Often they are warned that they're going to be thrown out of the game, which is something you can see in, in some of the transcripts that the umpire will say something like, are you, are you going to keep going? Uh, you know, that's enough. And the manager will keep pushing, knowing that that's going to result in an ejection. And often that can be kind of an intentional thing, whether it's to, to rally the crowd or just to, to show support for your players. Uh, but the line basically seems to be that you can't really criticize the umpire directly or you can't make it personal. You can, you can curse all you want, and that will rarely get you thrown out of a game just all on its, on its own. But when you kind of cross that line to criticizing the umpire's performance or his abilities as an umpire and you start bringing you into it and say how could you miss it how could you do that you screwed that up you made a mistake you missed the call uh that seems to be where the line is and i think most umpires know that uh and i'm i'm trying to find the document on my computer since i can't look it up online at the morning at the moment so i can read some quotes from it uh, were you surprised by anything that you read in it? Or uh, I don't know if um, surprises would be the right word because I don't I don't think I'd ever really thought all that much about it. But I mean, I guess the question that I would have had uh, going into this is some of the question that I think uh, Bruce Weber uh, gets at in his book on umpiring uh, as they see him. But it's the question of whether. Um, managers and umpires, uh, whether managers actually hate the umpires, whether they go out there um, as kind of like peers and co-equals and they argue about things, but, you know, sometimes the, um, the manager just has to go, or whether the manager thinks of the umpire as, uh, you know, a little bug that they have to put up with and has true disdain uh, for the umpires. And I think I got a... I think that what I uh, I think that my impression of it was that there is disdain uh, from the manager to the umpire, but that there is not a feeling of uh, inferiority on the umpire's part. The, I, I feel like the umpires feel like they're co-equals on the field, and the managers do not feel like the umpires are co-equals on the field. Uh-huh. Uh, there was... Which I guess is where the tension comes from, right? I mean, that seems to be kind of that might be where a lot of these breaking points are. Is the manager goes out there and thinks, you know, this guy works for me; he's being paid with my tax dollars, and I'm going to tell him what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. And the umpire just thinks you're on, you know, you're on my turf. Get off my turf, kind of a thing. Yeah, there was one argument and ejection that I didn't include. I think because the replay didn't show the actual ejection or maybe because the, the exchange wasn't able to be transcribed fully, where Brad Mills was arguing with Jim Joyce about something and he was pretty respectful about it. He said, I think you got it wrong, Jim. I think you got it wrong. You know, I have a lot of respect for you as anybody else, but you're wrong. Uh, so I think, I don't know, I, I think there's some mutual respect, not in every case. I think there are some managers who have a reputation or or some umpires who have a reputation for uh, kind of grandstanding or or trying to make themselves the story. 
And I think maybe you saw that uh, spill over in the Joe Girardi, Joe West argument where it, it got very personal and Joe Girardi said something about how you think you're above this, but you're not. Um, and, and West was kind of smirking at him while he was all up in his face. Uh, I, I couldn't tell how much actual animosity it is because as I said at the end it is sort of this performance for other people's benefit I think because it rarely results in a changed call by the time you get to this I mean occasionally you will see an, an overturned call but but rarely after the point at which it becomes a heated argument by that point it's it's pretty much set in stone and it's just uh, either trying to support your team or inspire people or, or show the, I don't know, ownership or the media or the fans that you actually care about the outcome of games. See, that's a, the exact opposite sense that I got from these. I did not get the feeling that it was theater for the sake of other people. I really got the feeling that these managers uh, are really angry <laughs> and they go out there and yell at the umpire because they're mad and they get thrown out because they express their anger. I did not get the kabuki element and that's what was surprising to me. There must be, I mean, there's some of that. I mean, I, I'm sure it's it's genuine frustration many times. There are, I think there were a couple transcripts I included where the manager referred to the score uh, and said, you know, it's a close game and we need this game and we're trying to win the division. Yes. Um, and so when that comes up and and a guy's job could be on the line based on whether he wins that game or, or has a successful season. Uh, so at that point, yeah, I think certainly there's genuine frustration and, and maybe anger. I guess it, there's more likely to be anger if the manager felt that the umpire had done something wrong as opposed to just missing the call which i think people understand is inevitable sometimes that, that will happen but as long as the empire was sort of in the right position to make the call or at least uh, conferred with the other empires or, or made some apparent attempt to get the call right um i think that kind of mollifies the managers to some extent but yeah i guess I don't know. I think it's a mix of both. I think a lot of times it is kind of a, a performance thing where the umpire is just upholding his authority and the manager is just sticking up for his guys. Uh, and, and neither of them, I mean, the manager doesn't expect anything is going to change. But yeah, certainly there are times when it spills over into to genuine emotion. Um, so the, uh, the, 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 the myth, or I guess maybe not a myth, but the, um, premise that you kind of somewhat started with the, the idea that managers, I, I'm imagining that you went in hoping that you were going to find some manager whose words did not ma match up with his body language yes, at all. I and I didn't, I didn't really expect, but I, I hoped. Well, having watched a number of these now knowing the words and seeing what, in my opinion, was a, a, a very close connection between words and body language. Do you believe this uh, folklore about the manager who runs out uh, and agitatedly screams nice things at the umpire, or do you think that that is a baseball lie? <laughs> uh, I'm sure it started with truth. Um, I think, I don't know that anyone claims that that happens often, uh, I think it's it's such a funny story that it can be retold. 
And even if you hear that it happens just once, it, it sticks with you that it has happened. And I, I believe that it has happened. I, I, that article that I linked to and that sort of inspired this name names, basically, and, and mentioned actual managers who had done this and, and umpires who had heard it. And in some cases, those umpires claimed to have heard it. Uh, and in some cases, even sort of specified time frames when it happened. So I assume it, it has happened, but I didn't really go into it expecting to find that. I, I doubt it happens often. Uh, as I recall from um, Weber's book, there are other stories that umpires sort of share among each other that like, you know, this thing happened once, but like 30 guys claim that it happened to them or it happened while they were, you know, on the on the crew. And I uh, my kind of belief after this is that that's sort of what we're talking about with this story as well, that maybe it happened once or maybe even like a manager uh, said that it would be funny if he did do that or something like that, like that somehow it became, uh, it, it, it generated from either one instance or one near instance or something like that. And that it has simply been, uh, co-opted by many people since then. So I'm calling BS on it and saying that it is not a thing. Never. Uh, not a thing beyond maybe once and that nobody knows who the, the once was that anytime I'll go so far as to say that anytime you hear an umpire or a manager, uh, describe the time it happened to them, they are lying. Mm. Wow. Like I know. Calling people out. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I have no idea, whatever. But I mean, I just thought that, I mean, the premise behind that is this idea that, um, a manager can go out there and be in the umpire's face and that. Uh, the the body language is all that matters for uh, for public image, right. and that the words don't matter. And what I saw was that con that consistently every word matched up with the body language. That it was just you know it was completely honest. All the expression out there was completely honest and, and accurate. So yeah, I think you could probably get away with it though, unless you have some crazy people like me and and Evan watching these things and actually trying to transcribe them, which. Uh, I haven't really seen anyone do before. I'm sure you could, you could get away with the body language and and not having your words match up, especially in the past where you didn't have high def cameras and so many cameras from so many different angles. Um, it probably wasn't wasn't ever possible for the audience watching at home to tell what you were saying. Yeah, probably. All right, <laughs> that's the umpire episode. Okay, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow probably with more emails, probably our last email episode, right? Yeah, I think so. Should we should we tease our, our plans after that? I guess so. Uh, sure. Uh, we are going to be doing a series of season preview episodes uh, starting probably next week. So we will not be doing the, the usual scrounge up a topic and talk about it. We will be talking about one team per day, uh, per episode, and we will be interviewing a baseball prospectus author who wrote about that team for the annual, which will be out in a month or so. And that author will talk about that team and, and take us through that team's offseason and kind of give us a, a snapshot of where it stands and, and what its season will be like. And then we also hope to incorporate some 
uh, interviews with non-baseball prospectus authors. We have a, a new intern at BP, Pete Barrett, who has lined up some some beat writers and reporters uh, from papers who cover teams. So we're hoping to kind of combine those those two perspectives in each episode and, and have Sam and I talk to a BP person and Pete talk to a non-BP person and, and hopefully cover some different ground and uh, tell you some things that you didn't know. So that's the preview of that. What did you just click on? <laughs> I just heard a click. I could, that was a totally out of place mouse click. Uh, yeah, that was my mouse. I clicked. What were you clicking? What What could you possibly have to click at the end of that speech? <laughs> I don't know. I guess it was like an emphasis added. Just click that mouse after I finish my thought. All right. Good night, Ben. Okay. <laughs>